vacated by Quas. Throw home, Martier returns on a first double play, and the Turks get out of the inning. And Wade crushes one pretty deep to right. Going back is McCarthy near the wall, looking up. See ya! Off the scoreboard in right, Lamont Wade with a solo jack, and the Turks take a 4-3 lead. Papio takes his lead, Gallon to the stretch for the first time, and Martier crushes one deep to left center. Going back is the left fielder, Jordan, and he's going to watch it go. Cue the fireworks, Martier goes yard, and the Turks cut it to 3-2. to two. Brandon Lau does a hook slide to score, Wade head first into second, Terrapins all over the turf, and Maryland has a 6-2 lead. Here's the 2-0, that one is crushed. Deep to left field, Stewart on his horse at the warning track. He jumps and that ball is gone! A two-run bomb from Jose Quas, and the Terps take a two-to-one lead on the number two team in the nation. And Wade cracks one deep to right again, going back with McCarthy near the wall, looking up, it's gone! Lamont Wade with a multi-home run game. He goes deep to right again, and it's seven to four turns. And the Turks have tied the game. They have come back from five runs down here in the top of the seventh, and the Terrapin magic continues. Good evening, everyone, and welcome into episode four of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, John Vitas, as we get set for a full slate tonight here on the fourth episode of the Maryland Baseball Podcast. We'll hear from Maryland center fielder Lamont Wade a little bit later in the show. And how about the start he's off to? Just a shade under 500 through the first nine games for the Terrapins. And we'll have a chance to rack his brain a little bit later on tonight. But first, we're going to recap what happened this weekend and check in with analyst Phil DePage, who will join us a little bit later on the show as well. A pretty good weekend overall for the Terps. They took two of three down in Emerson, Georgia. They lost the middle game of that three-game series to the Mountaineers, victorious in games one and three. And while we have a moment, let's listen to what happened in the first game of that three-game series. And while we have a minute, let's go through the highlights of that game yesterday, the Terps game getting pushed back a couple hours due to the snowy conditions here in Georgia. Yeah, believe it or not, snow in Georgia, and the game was pushed back two and a half hours, a 3.30 start time, but that did not stop Shawarin as he was... Very strong right out of the gates yesterday. And the Terps were offensively as well. Lamont Wade, who's been one of the hottest hitters for the Terps, got it going early in the first inning after Shawarin put up a zero for the Terps. Wade continued his hot hitting. And Wade slices one towards the gap in left center. Davis in full pursuit towards the gap. He lays out and can't get it. That one's going to roll to the wall as Burris cuts it off. And Lamont Wade cruises into second base with a one-out double. So the first extra base hit of the day belongs to Wade. As his hot hitting continues, that gets him up to an even 500. Shawarin would cruise through the second and the third inning as well. The school game would remain scoreless, but then the Terps came to bat in the third. After, after Brandon Lau was hit by a pitch, Wade would continue his hot hitting. Really keeping a lot of attention on Lau. Lau goes, and Wade swings, and he bounces one through the hole, a perfect hit and run. Lau digging for third as Coach Vaughn gives him the hold sign. It's a single for Wade, and the Terps are in business. First and third with one out. 
The Terps would then execute a double steal, and or excuse me, Wade would steal second after Lau was on third. So it was second and third with one out in the inning, and then Jose Quas came to the plate for what was the biggest moment of the game. He kicks and deals, and the breaking ball is ripped deep to left center. Going back is Burris near the wall, looking up, and that ball is gone. Off the light pole in left center, and Jose Quas has home run number one. Three-nothing Terrapins on the three-run bomb by the third baseman. Gives Coach Vaughn the fist pound in Maryland with a com commanding three-nothing lead. So with two outs and nobody on the Maryland Terrapins would restart the rally in the third. Kevin Martier would walk. Tim Lewis would reach on an infield single before Andrew Bechtold delivered this. From the belt, looks at second base. The Terps thought about going. That one's bounced up the middle. Right through Springs' glove and into center field. Rounding third is Martier. Charging is Davis. He's going to go to third with the throw. And they call the runner safe at third. An RBI single for Andrew Bechtold on a bouncer up the middle as Lewis heads to third base, and Bechtold takes second on the throw. So great base running all around from the Terps, and they lead it 4 to nothing. So staked to a four-run lead after the beginning from the Terps, Mike Shawarn would not look back. He ended up retiring 14 straight batters, a streak that ended with this play by Brandon Lau. Shawarn from the line, 2-2 fastball line right at Brandon Lau, who picks it off to retire the side. Another 1-2-3 inning for Mike Shawarn. He's retired 14 in a row. Halfway home from Emerson, and the score is Maryland 4, and the Mountaineers nothing. So Shawarn would go on to go seven innings strong. Like we said, only two hits allowed. One of them was a solo home run. He struck out a career-high 12, had never been in double digits in strikeouts before. So a career day for Shawarn, who wound up going 3-0 and so far through the early season. It would get a little dicey, though, in the ninth for the Terps. Taylor Bloom pitched a perfect eighth inning in relief. But then in the ninth, Jared Price would make his season debut coming back from elbow surgery. He would retire one batter before giving up a double to Appalachian State leadoff hitter Brandon Burris. And then they brought in the lefty Rob Galligan, who gave up an RBI single to Jalen Davis. So the score was 4-2 to two Terps with two outs in the ninth. And here was the final play of the day. There's a bouncer towards the mound. Galligan fielding it, sprinting to first base, thro throws it underhand to Bechtold, and the ball game is over. The Terps win it by a final of 4-2 to two behind 12 strikeouts from their ace, Mike Shawarin. Shawarin gets the win. He improves to 3-0 and oh, as he continues to rack up the wins, 14 now in his young Terrapin career. And those 14 wins for Mike Shawarin have come in only 19 starts which is extremely impressive. He has four losses, so 18 of his 19 starts in his career have at least yielded a decision for Shawarn. He now leads the Big Ten innings pitched with 20. He leads the conference in strikeouts with 25, and he leads the conference with three wins already in the young season. So Mike Shawarn off to a great start to begin the year. And you heard the numbers and accolades for him as mentioned, leads the conference in strikeouts and innings pitched. So the Terps took game one 4-2 to two after a two-and-a-half-hour delay due to the weather, as we mentioned. And then Saturday, the game pushed back about 45 minutes because of the length of the game before it. So a lot of delays for the Terps in their games early on in the year with all the weather in the Northeast. And 
The Saturday game was a long one, almost four hours long. Terps fell that day 9-7. to seven. That was the Saturday game. Starter Taylor Stiles knocked around for six runs on ten hits over three and a third. Bobby Roos came in to relieve him and couldn't put out the fire. The rest of the bullpen was strong. Ryan Selmer, four shutout innings, and Willie Rios, a perfect ninth inning of work. But Stiles and Roos combined to give up nine runs. The Terps chipped away in the middle innings but couldn't do enough to tie the ball game. They fell 9-7. to seven. Well, fast forward to Sunday now. It was Brian Schaefer, the freshman, on the mound for Maryland, trying to bounce back from a tough outing against the Arkansas Razorbacks. And he was very, very good. Six innings did not allow a run until his final inning of work in the sixth when he gave up a two-run home run to Brandon Burris. Other than that, he was almost perfect. Allowed only two other hits, struck out a bunch, and Schaefer with a very nice bounce-back outing to solidify his role in the weekend rotation. Offensively for the Terps, they were going up against a converted pitcher, Matt Brill, who threw hard but is not exactly refined for what you'd want from a college weekend starter. He threw hard, got through the first two facing the minimum, but the Terps pounced on him when his control became an issue in the third. Walked the bases loaded, and with in a scoreless game with one away, Lamont Wade came to the plate. He said again, the 1-0. And that one's banged up the middle for a base hit. Rolling into center field. Morris will score. They're waving Smith around third. The throw is cut off, and the Terps have a 2-0 lead. Two more RBIs for Lamont Wade as he continues to rake in the early season. So Jose Quas would then get robbed on a ground ball, and the next batter was Nick Sieri, who came to bat with a couple of men on base, and the Terps already in front by two. The 1-0 pitch, fastball ripped in the right field for a base hit. Scoring easily is Lau. They're waving Wade around third. The throw on target, the tag, not in time as Wade gets around the glove of Siegel, and it's 4-0 Terrapins. A two-run base knock for Nick Sieri, and he has RBIs number 10 and 11. So a four-run inning for Maryland to take a convincing 4-0 lead. So that would do it for Brill. He was pulled there for Reed Howell, who would then walk Tim Lewis after a long at-bat. And with a couple men aboard, the Terps would tack on one more, thanks to catcher Kevin Martier. The payoff pitch is ripped into left field. That's a base hit. Rounding third is Sierra. They might have a play at the plate. Here comes the throw from Burris on a couple of hops and not in time. Sierra slid right on top of the bat, which is in the righty's batter's box. As that throw came in on a couple of hops, and it's 5-0 Maryland. So an RBI single for Kevin Martier. Pulled that one in the left field, and the Terps continuing to string together a nice inning. So the score would remain 5-0 after the big inning by the Terps in the third until the fifth inning, when Tim Lewis led off with a single after a fielder's choice from Kevin Martier and a single by Anthony Papio. Justin Morris would come up with Two on and one out. And Morris bounces one towards second. Jones off his glove and into right field. Papio had to hold it second, so he'll stop at third. It'll be an error charge to Chandler Jones, and Martir will score to make it 6-0 Terrapins. So Maryland continuing to add on. The next batter was Kevin Smith. 2-2, loop down the line in right field. A base hit for Smith and heading to the corner. 
They're going to hold him at first as Pepio comes in to score. Morris to third, and it's 6-0 Maryland. Maryland would go on to win the game by a final of 8-2. Good relief work from Zach Morris and Alex Robinson to close it out for the Terrapins as they take two of three from Appalachian State this weekend and go home with an overall record of 7-2. and two. Now, we didn't mention it on the onset, but there was supposed to be a game today against Delaware. It was originally pushed back to tomorrow and then completely nixed due to the terrible weather here in the Mid-Atlantic this week, today, and tomorrow. Just a lot of rain, and that game's just not possible. So the next game for the Terps will be on Friday at UNC Wilmington. That Delaware game will be made up later in the season, and MBN will be there to bring you all the action this weekend as the Terps take on the Seahawks of UNC Wilmington, a very strong mid-major team, probably a notch better than the Appalachian State team the Terps faced this past weekend. So after the Terps did get two out of three, two out of three this weekend, we did get a chance to catch up with head coach John Sheff. Here's what he had to say about his team's weekend. Coach, after a tough loss last night, you came back today, a pretty routine 8-2 to two win. How pleased were you with how your team bounced back today? Good. It was a good, solid Sunday for us. Uh, particularly pleased with, with Brian Schaefer. I mean, his start was very good. We needed a good start. Uh, you need good starts on Sunday to win a series, and he gave us exactly that. So, I mean, that was a really, really big thing for our team today. What do you think he did better today that he didn't do maybe last weekend? I just think he commanded, commanded the zone a lot better. He was down in the zone. Um, I thought a great part of that start was after he gave up the two-run home run in the sixth kind of how he responded to it. He was right back in the zone, uh, made short order that inning. And to me, that was like a big, big, big step for him, you know, because, I mean, we, we need him and our other starters to be good. I mean, that's how we're going to be good, to have good starting pitch. Lamont Wade's batting close to 500, and the offense had seven yesterday, eight today. Where is your lineup right now compared to where you want them to be, and what's made Lamont so effective so early? I just think Lamont's playing uh, relaxed. I mean, he's good enough, obviously, and he's... When you combine that with playing relaxed and easy and executing the plan, I think that's what you're seeing. You know, we got some guys who are struggling in there a little bit. I mean, obviously Jose's struggling, but it's, that's part of a season. I mean, some guys struggle early. Everyone's going to struggle sooner or later. It's just a matter of how quickly you can get through it. So, I mean, I wouldn't say we're where we want to be offensively because we're not, doing, we're not as good situationally as we'd like to be right now as far as moving runners and our bunt game hadn't been very good, but... You know, we're making progress. We're kind of moving in the right direction. So, The weather's been a big factor early on in the season. We wouldn't be in Georgia right now if it wasn't for the snow up north. How has your team been able to adjust to all that? Because everyone's dealing with it, but you guys yeah. seem to be excelling under those kind of circumstances. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of other stuff other than just the game right now. So the fact that our guys are hanging in there, I mean, you know, our start's been okay, you know. Um, as a team, I think we're playing okay for what we'd want to be right now. But I think when you factor that stuff into it, you're like, you know what, things could be a lot worse right now. Appreciate the time, Coach. Good job this weekend. Thanks. So that was Maryland head coach John Sheft after his team took two of three from the App State Mountaineers. Pretty happy with the way his team has played so far. He sees room for improvement, but overall not overly disappointed with his club's efforts so far. Much more to come here on the Maryland Baseball Podcast. We're going to step aside for a couple minutes, head off the air, so it'll go silent for about a minute, but then we'll be right back 
with Kevin Martier's reaction to the weekend. He had a big Sunday performance. And then we'll bring in analyst Phil DePage, who is, will talk about what he witnessed down in Georgia. And then finally, in our last segment, it'll be Maryland center fielder Lamont Wade. He'll join us live on the show and tell us about why he's hitting so well to begin the year. And we'll ask him some more fun questions in addition. So stay tuned. We'll be back in about a minute here on the Maryland Baseball Podcast. John Venus, welcoming you back to the Maryland Baseball Podcast. As we heard from John Sheff after the Terps win down in Emerson, Georgia. And now we're going to have to play our interview with Kevin Martier, who had two hits and an RBI in Sunday's 8-2 win over App State. Kevin's done a great job, as always, behind the plate. And he's, his bat's starting to come around, too, now over 300 to begin the season. Here's what he had to say after Sunday's win. You guys got two out of three this weekend against Appalachian State. How would you summarize the weekend as a whole for you guys? Uh, as a whole, I mean, the weekend was a grind because the 12-hour drive coming down here. I feel like our team grinded out. Grinded out innings, grinded out pitches, everything was a fight. It was a fight this weekend. You had a couple hits today. The offense kind of came alive today after the loss yesterday. How big of a factor do you think yesterday's loss had on today's win? Well, we showed that we had to be more aggressive on, on offensively, so we kind of proved it today. I feel like guys are taking, uh, we're breaking down their swings. They're all swinging as hard as they can. Now you had a couple hits today. Uh, where at you right? Where are you at right now, personally, with your swing coming along? Because you had a good offensive day today. Uh, I feel like it's coming along great. Uh, I feel comfortable at the plate now. Just uh, being selective at the plate is one of my main focuses. So I think it's coming along. Just a quick question about App State. They did get a game from you this weekend, so they're probably a pretty strong team. What are your overall impressions of them as far as the pitching staff and then their everyday players? I feel like they were, they were a tough team. You know, they, they didn't care who, who they were playing against. They were just playing hard, and they didn't finish to the end of the game. Now, what's it been like dealing with all the weather so far? This game wasn't even supposed to be here down in Georgia. What's it been like having to adjust the schedule? Uh, I mean, it's just a grind. Basically, you have to get the games in. You just have to adjust, so I feel like that's what we had to do. So that was Maryland catcher Kevin Martier before the Terps headed north to return to College Park on what was a very long bus ride, 12 hours each way for the Terps. And now, while we have a minute, we're going to go to the analysis portion of the show. We're going to welcome in Maryland student manager Phil DePays, who is at practice almost every day, and he's down at the games as well. And Phil was down in Georgia this weekend. Phil, are you on the line with us? Phil, can you hear us on the Maryland Baseball Podcast? Uh, yes, I can. Thanks for having me on, John. Yeah, no problem. We wanted to get your take on a couple things from the weekend. First of all, the guy we're going to have on our show a little bit later, Lamont Wade, he's on fire right now, the only Terp above 400. He's actually close to 500 and just seems to be doing everything right so far. What is what is it about him that's making him so good early on this year? Uh, I think I think Monty Wade uh, has started the approach. I mean, Three years in the program now, he's really mastered the approach that Rob Vaughn's brought. He's been attacking fastballs early in the count, and uh, if he's not getting fastballs early, he's, he's been taking his way into good hitters' counts, 3-1 counts, and he's been able to drive the pitcher every season. You know, he's got good hands, and uh, he's, he's been seeing it real well. Now, if there were any negatives to harp on from the weekend, one of them is the weekend rotation. Another tough outing by from Taylor Stiles on Saturday. Now, He's earned the spot. He's pitched well in his career. But at this, at this point, at this stage of the season, Maryland was quick to pull the trigger on taking Jake Drossler out of the rotation. And now it's a matter of 
what they want to do because you have so many options between all the relief pitchers and some guys that haven't even really gotten innings yet that could jump in there. And um, Taylor showed that he could be effective in the bullpen last year. What do you think they're going to do with that spot? What would you do with that spot? Is Styles out for now? He can always come back in. And if he is out, who's in, in your mind, for the future? Uh, all right, well, you know, I can't, I can't really tell you what, what's going to happen. I'm not I, – I don't know what our pitching coach and what Coach Chef uh, thinks about it. Um, I think that the fact that you've had Styles go so far uh, in our weekend rotation, I think you got to keep him there for at least one more weekend. You know, over the summer he was pitched well enough to, to make the Cowherton Collegiate Baseball League All-Star game. You know, in the fall for us, he didn't give up a single run in all the inner squads. Um, obviously, the past two outings haven't been haven't been good starts for him, but you know, I I, I, I think you give him another shot. Um, but that being said, I, I would not be surprised one bit if someone else starts. If someone else were to start, uh, you could see a number of people possibly starting for us. You know, we, we talked about the depth we have with arms. You know, Ryan Selmer came in through four shutout innings against uh, on Saturday's game. I think probably more likely would be Bobby Roos, maybe. Um, he's been he's pitched real well for us uh, in the past. Um, you know, those are, those are two names that really jump out to me as, as possible starters if Styles were to not start. Those are probably two of the prime candidates for that spot. Now, as far as a couple other candidates, two power lefties that are currently excelling in the bullpen that have starting experience in the past and maybe their their stuff is good enough to start, Zach Morris and Willie Rios, what do you think are the, uh, the future for them as far as roles go? Uh, I think Willie, I think Willie's going to become a pretty dominant arm out of our pen. I don't really see him switching over to a starter, at least not this year. Um, you know, he was, he was like 93 to 95 for us every weekend, and he was, he was absolutely electric. Zach Morris would be an interesting start. He started for us last year a little bit. Um, I definitely see him starting. He's, he's got um, he's got some good stuff, so uh, definitely someone that, that could start for us. Now, one positive from the weekend rotation, Brian Schaefer had a very nice bounce-back performance on Sunday. You got to watch his start against Arkansas and his start this Sunday from right behind home plate. What did you see as being the biggest difference between his start last Sunday versus this Sunday? Uh, I think it's got to be all about control and, and command of the pitches that he had. Uh, you know, Arkansas, uh, I mean, give credit to them, they hammer the pitches, but they, they're also elevated strikes that were really asking to get hit. And the only time that he, he did anything like that this past weekend was, was the two-run bomb to Burris that he, that he gave up. Um, other than that, you know, he's keeping his pitches down. He's able to carry Zelo through a majority of the start. Um, he's just locating his pitches much, much better this weekend than last. Now, one other thing to mention, Andrew Bechtold suffered, in, suffered an injury this weekend. He's been starting at first base for the Terps. We don't know what his prognosis is. Hopefully he'll come back soon. But if he is out for an extended period of time, is it Justin Morris's reps to take, or will we see more of Matt Onifrey, or is it somebody else that might benefit from Bechtold going down? Uh, I think you're going to see a, a lot of different scenarios. I mean, obviously you saw Justin Morris start on Sunday, I believe. Um, you got to see Matt Onifrey in there, even even possibly Kevin Beyondick if you wanted to. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of different looks, and you know, I don't think we've really come to a point where, where someone's definitely getting reps over someone else. Now, one last negative to ask you about. One guy who actually led the team in RBIs this weekend but is struggling is Jose Quas. He only had two hits, two two very important hits, big-time extra base hits that drove in a lot of runs. He had six RBIs this weekend. But his average is still pretty low. He's a guy who has a track record of, of having power. 
Um, but what is his biggest issue right now if you're going to diagnose his swing? Uh, you know, I, I can't really point to one thing in particular. You know, teams are, are feeding him sliders all day. Um, so, you know, he's he just got to make sure to jump on the fastball or, or hammer a hanging breaking ball if it comes to him. Uh, you know, I think he's just going to come around. It's just one of those things. It's a long season. Right now he's not feeling it, not, not seeing it too well. But uh, over time, over the course of the season, I think he'll be fine. Well, Phil, we appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on, John. So that was Maryland student manager Phil DePays, who is always around the team, and he always has great insight for us here on the podcast. And speaking of great insight, we'll talk to Lamont Wade on the other side of our break. He is off to a tremendous start for the Terps, and we're going to find out why when we return. We'll be live with Lamont Wade in a minute here on the Maryland Baseball Podcast. John Vitas, welcoming you in back live to the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the show so far. And now, the centerpiece of the show, we're going to welcome in Maryland center fielder Lamont Wade. And, Monty, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you a little bit. All right, well, hopefully you hear us enough to uh, answer our questions tonight, and we certainly thank you for coming on. Now, first, oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. First question, what's going on with you? Because second in the Big Ten in hits, third in RBIs, first in stolen bases, second in batting average, off to a red-hot start. What's the biggest reason for it, you think? Uh, I'll probably say just being relaxed, um, getting to the plate and uh, having a plan, basically hunting elevated fastballs middle of the way and just trying to put a good swing on it. So uh, I would just probably contribute that to just being relaxed and having a plan. Now, how would you describe your swing and your hitting philosophy in general? Because it's not one of those super long, loopy, pretty power hitter swings. It's pretty short, compact, and straight to the baseball how would you describe your hitting philosophy and why and how it's helped you so much at this level? Um, well, a big part of my hitting philosophy came from Coach Vaughn and Coach Jeff. Um, basically, all of our hitters, we go through with a plan is uh, try and get in good hitters' counts. Uh, don't break out swing down early in the count. Always try to make sure that we're swinging uh, hard towards the middle and swinging at good pitches. Uh, so I would just contribute that. And as far as my swing, I, it's not long, like you said, just short and quick. It's not, um, that way I don't get under the ball too much and just try to hit the ball hard every time. 
Now, one thing you guys have going for you as far as moving forward and heading to the postseason, one thing you guys have is a lot of experience on this team, especially in the starting lineup, something Maryland hasn't had in a while. And a big question coming into the season was the leadership of this team, losing Charlie White and Blake Schmidt from last year now. You're a guy who's kind of stepped in and been one of the leaders on the team. Now, everybody kind of leads differently. Brandon Lau's more of a quiet guy. Kevin Martier's a little more vocal. And Anthony Papio leads by example. How would you describe your leadership style, and how much of a leader do you think you are for the younger guys on this team? Uh, I would say I'm like Anthony Papio, like leads by example. I'm not too vocal with the guys, but uh, I'm the type of guy where, like, some young guys having a problem, that I'm always there to, they, can, they can come to me and talk it out. Um, but I'm not going to be like Kevin Martier. Uh, as vocal as he is, but uh, I would say my leadership is like Anthony Tapio's. And a couple of young guys that you might have to be mentoring are um, Justin Morris, Nick Sieri, Matt Onifre, guys who are all learning the first base position or at least trying to perfect the first base position because that was your spot the last two years, and now those guys are trying to adjust and win playing time at that spot. How much have you? How much opportunity have you had to help them over there defensively at first base, and how do you think they're coming along as far as on the defensive side of the position goes? Because they can all hit. Right. Yeah, I think they're coming along great. Um, I had a couple opportunities in the fall to go over there, doing individual uh, defense sessions, and I'll go over there and work with them and just tell them, tell them a few pointers and tips that I have for them. But uh, I think they're all coming along great, uh, especially uh, Justin Morris, I would say, and Honorary, too, once he gets back from his injury, which he did last week. So that was great to see him over there. But they're all coming along great. I think they're doing a fantastic job, and I think they'll continue to keep it up. And one question I wanted to ask you about the season so far. You seem to be excelling under the, the tough weather that you guys have had to deal with. It's been pretty cold, even though you guys have been somewhat uh, further south. What's it been like having to deal with all the changes to the schedule and the location of your games? I mean, we didn't even know where you guys were going to be playing just a few days before the games even happened, and then we had some delays this weekend down in Georgia. Just what's it been like dealing with all of those changes and having to be so flexible? Uh, it's, it's definitely been a grind. Uh, it's been a major adjustment. Uh, like you said, we were supposed to play at home last weekend. We had to go to Georgia on a, on a short notice. But guys, they uh, stepped up to the challenge. Uh, we accepted the challenge. So we just we just thought of it as another weekend where we would have to just play hard and play our best because we know every time we go out there, we're going to get our best. So we, we couldn't let the weather be an excuse for us not to play at a high level. So uh, it, although it's been a, quite a – quite a challenge and obstacle. We, I feel like we've accepted it and we've done a pretty good job with it. I think 7-2 and two pretty much speaks for itself. A pretty strong start for you guys overall. Now let's talk about your past real quick. You went to St. Paul's, which is a, a private school in the Baltimore area. I just wanted to know what, what it was like playing there and growing there. And your brother played there too, and now he joins you on the turf. Uh, what can you say about your high school experience and how it prepares you for college? Oh, I had a, I had a great uh, high school experience. Uh, St. Paul's is a high school. is had about 300 kids in it. I only had like maybe 50 guys in my graduating class, so it was like a close knit family, like uh, a family atmosphere. Everybody knew everyone. The teachers, you had a great bond with the teachers, and I I really enjoyed my four years at St. Paul's. Um, I still ha- I'm still in contact with a lot of my teachers and my coaches from there. And uh, Jamal, like you said, we played we played we actually played one year together on varsity, so that was pretty cool. And now for him to be back here at College Park with me is also pretty special for me and my family. So, Well, you led me perfectly right into my next question. We're going to talk about your brother for a minute here on the show. It's his first year with the Terps. Now, he had a chance to watch you for two years during his junior and senior years of high school, so he knew what it was like being at Chipley Field. 
How much recruiting did you have to do to get him to come down to, to College Park, and what other, what other schools did you have to pry him away from? Um, as far as recruiting, I think I, I think uh, when he came to come visit me and uh, the guys my freshman and sophomore year, I think that had, that had a lot to do with it. He was able to get close with a lot of the guys here in my class and the class above me. And uh, But I don't think I had to do too much recruiting because I think he fell in love with the campus uh, when he had his visit. Um, but it was between Maryland and West Virginia. But uh, we won that battle. I'm glad we did. Hopefully it pays off for him. I think Maryland's a better school than West Virginia, just speaking from a uh, from a Maryland student perspective as it is. Now, we hear you guys go at it a lot in practice. Pretty pretty serious sibling rivalry between you two. How serious does it get? What sports did you guys play growing growing up? And does he have you? Does he have the edge on you in, in anything? Well, growing up, we would have a great rivalry in ping pong. Uh, we had a ping pong table in my basement, and we would always play every night. Best two out of three, and uh, he could never beat me, and he still can't. But uh, if he if we play the sport, uh, he doesn't have, he doesn't really have the upper edge for me in any sport. I'll have to say, coming from a Big Brother perspective, so I got to keep that title. Well, the age should definitely help you out. You got two years on him growing up. I actually, your your ping pong obsession is actually on your your page on umterps.com, your actual profile page. Maryland doesn't usually make it too colorful as far as hobbies for the players. Some other teams do, but Maryland really doesn't. So the fact that it's on there means it's a pretty serious thing between you guys. How would you break down your ping pong game? What are your strengths and weaknesses? Forehand, backhand, serving, tactics, defense. What makes you so good at the game? Well, my strength is that uh, I can really read my opponent. So if my opponent isn't, like, too good at his forehand, I would just keep hitting it there. I can move my I move my opponent around the table side to side. But I would say my one weakness would probably be my serve. And I, I have a weak serve, but I got to work on that. But my defense picks up on my serve, but it's all right. I have a feeling trash talking might be a strength of your game, too. That is definitely part of my game as well, getting, uh, getting to know my opponent's head. I learned that from playing basketball at St. Paul's. <laughs> All right, so you were a basketball player there, too. Well, did, did Jamal play any other sports at St. Paul's, or was it basketball as, as the second sport for both of you guys? Uh, it was basketball as the second sport for both of us. All right, well, now we're going to go rapid fire with some quick questions before we let you off the hook tonight. These are some of the same questions we asked our first three guests on the Maryland Baseball Podcast. Mike Schwar and Kevin Smith, Nick Sieri answered some, or, some of these as well. First question we'll ask you, what's the app on your phone that you use the most that people might not expect? Uh, AA. What's that? Explain that to everyone listening. Oh, uh, this is a, a game where you have to put, you get like a certain amount of pegs and you have to make sure that they're perfectly in, in place, or if not, then you have to start over. And each time you pass a level, you go up, and uh, it's basically a big robbery on the team to see who gets to the highest level. And right now, Coach Bellinger's winning at, I think, level 160. Okay, I think I know what game you're talking about. I was behind Coach Bellinger on the bus, and I saw him going to town on that for hours. You guys yeah. are getting pretty competitive with that. Now, if you had to pick a celebrity to play you in a movie, who would do you the most justice? Uh, Denzel Washington. No hesitation. Really like. What's that? No hesitation there. Oh, no hesitation. Denzel Washington, I think he's the best actor out there. I think he would play my role to perfection. Now, speaking on the saying on the celebrity wavelength, who is your celebrity crush? Oh, Jennifer Lopez. Why is that? Jennifer Lopez for sure. Uh, she's like in her mid forties, I think now, and she's I think she's still killing the game. I think she's doing. I think she in her, all of her acting jobs. I think she does a great job, and uh, 
she even like she was a singer at one point too. So I thought that was pretty cool too. So like her dual threat is definitely my celebrity crush. Very multi talented. Definitely give you that one now. Absolutely. If you were stuck on a deserted island and had to survive as well as entertain yourself, which teammate would you want to be stuck with? Anthony Fabio. Anthony Fabio, because he's funny, and I know that if we ever had an encounter with, like, over in danger or anything, that he would have my back 100%, and we would win the battle because he doesn't lose. All right, well, that, that right center field combination has it going for you on that deserted <laughs> island. Now, last question real quick. Last or one thing about Lamont Wade that nobody out there knows. Oh, one thing that nobody knows. Most interesting thing that nobody most knows. Most interesting thing that nobody knows. Uh, that I want to that I'm actually playing and will be going skydiving this summer. Is that something you've always you've always looked towards that a bucket list thing for you? That's a bucket list thing for me and I've actually got my parents to agree to it and it's it's happening this summer, so uh, I'm very fortunate and lucky to be able to do that, and I'm actually looking forward to it. Well, it sounds like a good time, and hopefully it'll come after a uh, trip to Omaha for the Terps. But Absolutely. Lamont, we appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for joining us on the show, and we hope you. We wish you continued success as you keep that average as close to 500 as you can. But thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. All right, so that was Maryland center fielder Lamont Wade, who was gracious enough to join us tonight on the Maryland Baseball Podcast. And, That'll just about do it for our show tonight. We hope you enjoyed all the action here on Episode 4 of our show. And, of course, we'll be with you all weekend from Wilmington, North Carolina, as the Terps look to take the series from a very tough Wilmington Seahawks team. And we'll be down there from some much warmer weather. It's supposed to be mid-50s and sunny all weekend, so hopefully a lot better than it will be this week in College Park. And one other thing we want to remind you about on our website, of course, check check it all out at MarylandBaseballPodcast.com. You can... See the recording from tonight's podcast tomorrow. We'll post that on the afternoon tomorrow. And also tomorrow, we'll be posting a feature piece on the relationship between Kevin Smith and Andrew Bechtold, a couple of highly regarded freshman shortstop that came, shortstops that came in the program together competing for that job. But it really hasn't been a competition between those two. They've become pretty good friends, and that has been laid out nicely by our own Dan Servadidio. So we'll have that piece on our website tomorrow. And then, of course, all the game action this weekend, your one-stop shop for Maryland baseball. We'll be back at it, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. So thanks for listening tonight to the Maryland Baseball Podcast. We'll be with you next week after the Terp Series with UNC Wilmington. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be live at 3.30 on Friday.